Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Thank you, Chris, for having me. Thank you, church, for having me. Um, It is a pleasure to be here. I have prayed for this church. I've prayed for you all. um, And I pray that God is uh, answering those prayers in you and in this community um, because God needs his people here. Um, I want to put a picture up of my my family. Um, Chris asked me to send in a picture. And I was like, man, uh, we do a horrible job of taking pictures. Uh, I think my family is beautiful. Uh, and handsome, but um, we just don't take pictures often. I, I, I'm, I'm not a, you know, I, I don't have the, 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 the three-camera iPhone, and I intentionally made the choice not to get the three-camera iPhone because I was like, I don't take pictures. Um, uh, but luckily, over Labor Day, um, we went to an event, and uh, I had the foresight to say, hey, let's get a picture um, together because, we, as you see, we were, we, were, we were clean. Can you put that up there? Like, this, this don't ever happen, Okay. <laughs> I had to go to the store to buy this all white stuff because I don't have white stuff in my hand. But uh, that's my wife. We've, Ashley, we've been married for 12 years. Uh, God has blessed me. Um, people talk about marrying up. Let me tell you something. I did. I absolutely did. There's no question about it. I married up. Um, she has been a blessing to me. In fact, um, it was because of her faithfulness to the Lord that I came to know the Lord myself in, in college. And so um, I literally am eternally literally eternally grateful uh, for her. Um, And these are my children, Ashton in the middle, in the back, Austin over here on this side, uh, Aaron, Kara, and Karis. Uh, They are uh, a ton of joy and a ton of work. Um, But God, my quiver is full and God has blessed me indeed. Um, And so they make me smile. Uh, All right, enough about me. Um, So over the past few years, um, a group has been releasing music on YouTube. Uh, And then eventually, they probably saw how many views they got and said, well, why don't we make an album and we can get some sales from this. Um, But uh, the the worship that they've been doing has hit me in a way, has touched my soul in a way that, that music hasn't, Christian music hasn't a lot recently. Uh, I'm, uh, I love the lyrics of many popular Christian songs, uh, the style, uh, not so much. And, and, and it's not necessarily the style, it's the diversity of style. Uh, I always say, I know a Christian song before any words are said because they're the same chord progressions. It's the same feel, you know, it's, it's the same thing. Um, and so I sing them uh, with my kids because the, the content is good. But when I heard these songs from this group, uh, it really was like, oh, man, this is, this is good. This is good. And so uh, one of the things, I like to sing. And I, I have an okay voice. Uh, I, I just I wish it was better because I want to sing like those people. <laughs> um, and uh, another thing I really love is I love congregational singing. I love communal singing. I, I love to hear with no music, just voices uh, lifted up to the Lord. So I'm going to sing a couple of these lyrics. And if you know them, please don't let me be the only one singing up here uh, because I want to hear your voices. Um, just to give you a glimpse of, 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 of these lyrics. One of the lyrics, uh, the name of the song is Promises. I think you have sung it here. Um, 
And the second verse goes, <clears throat> got to find the key. It's probably not going to be right, but I'll make sure it's low enough so I don't sound crazy. Um, uh, God from age to age, though the earth may pass away, your word remains the same, yeah. History can prove there's nothing you can't do. You're faithful and true. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I remain steadfast. And let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. Great is your faithfulness to me. Great is your faithfulness to me. I hear that. You have to clap. Don't clap. Clap for yourself. Don't, don't, clap. don't clap for me. Don't clap for me. I hear that, and I am. That song came out, I think, right as COVID started. And everybody's working from home. And I am literally working from my computer. And I'm like, stop. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and not like the oh my God, like the flipping, like, oh my God, like somebody does something crazy. But literally, oh my God, he who sits enthroned in the heavens, the gifting by which you have gifted these people, good God Almighty, it's good. And because that was so good, can, I, can y'all endorse me one more time? <laughs> Because there's, an, there's another sign that I like, and y'all sounded good. Um, so uh, this one came out, same group, uh, came out uh, this year. Uh, and before, that Promises song was on, it was on repeat. I mean, it, it didn't matter. Day, night, middle of the day, I'm playing that song over and over again. Promises has now been replaced by this song. Uh, it's called Gyra. Uh, and, and as you get, you know, I always talk about this song, like 15 minutes long. They're like crazy long. I don't understand what's going on. So this might be the vamp or the bridge or the hook or whatever later part in the song, but it goes like this. Me, 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 me. No, um, the, the lady comes on and she says, If he dresses the lily with beauty and splendor, how much more will he clothe you? How much more will he clothe you if he watches over every sparrow how much more does he love you how much more does he love you then the guy comes on and he hits me with he says more than you ask or think or imagine according to his power he's working it out or working it out something like that he's work he's more than enough i mess up those lyrics but you get the point like i hear that and i stop and i'm like oh my goodness god this is so good because of the content, absolutely. But I am amazed sometimes at the giftedness that God has given people and their desire to use it for his glory. Because let me tell you something. If you can sing, you can, you can make more money not singing about the Lord. I guarantee you that. And so to see them singing for the Lord and using this gift amazes me. And it takes me back. It takes me back to uh, I grew up in Jackson, Mississippi. Going to visit my, my grandmama, uh, my, my dad grew up in a city called Boca Chitta, Mississippi, uh, down in South Mississippi, near Brookhaven, Macomb. Y'all probably don't know nothing about that. Um, but uh, Chisholm Mission AME, when people start singing and they get good, and, and, and I don't know how to describe get good. I think get good, probably the best I can say is when there's a tangible feeling of the presence of the Lord, 
because of the worship that is coming out of the mouths of the people that are there, that's when it's getting good. And inevitably, somebody, probably my grandmother, stand up, she'll wave her hand, and she'll let them use you. Let them use you. And by saying that, what she is affirming and confirming is that person who is using their voice in that particular moment, at that particular time, is operating in the giftedness and the calling to which God has called them at that moment in time. It is an affirmation of someone's giftedness and calling. And and one of the things, if you exist in Christianity for any amount of time, the conversation of giftedness and calling will come about. What are my spiritual gifts? Here, take this assessment, fill out these questions. Boom, you've got your spiritual gifts. What is my calling? What, you know, how can I be used, God, like you're using them? Because maybe it's not singing, maybe it's not preaching, maybe it's not this or that, but I want to be used by you, God, to magnify and glorify you. How does one come to be used by God? And I think in our text today, we'll, we'll get a little glimpse of, of a man named Isaiah who found himself used by God. But what we will see is not necessarily how he was used by God. If you want to read the book of Isaiah, feel free to do that. But what we're going to see is how he came to be used by God. What was, what, how did God uh, start this process or at least continue the process that he was working in him? So before we begin, let's pray and uh, we'll dive, dive in. Uh, Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Um, Isaiah 6, uh, verses 1 through 8. Uh, I think it's going to be on the screen. If you have your Bibles, I don't know how many people still use old school Bibles, like the physical copy. Um, uh, if you do, you're like, it's like having an antique these days. Um, or on your cell phone or your iPad or whatever device that you have, turn to Isaiah 6.1. Say amen when you found it. All right, I heard some amens. It's going to be on the screen so you can read it too. Um, so Isaiah 6 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting up on a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe, the hem of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each, of, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and not only that, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Verse 8, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am. Send me. And reading through this passage, um, in line with the conversation of how does one find ourselves used by God, how do we become used by God for his glory, uh, it seems like I, I identify four things uh, to find ourselves used by God. Right? In order to be used by God, first we have to 
recognize the grandeur of God's majesty. Then once we recognize the grandeur of God's majesty, we have to recognize the the, um, greatness of our own unworthiness. Then we must receive, point three, we must receive the goodness of God's um, purification. And finally, the last thing, we must respond with gladness to, to God's call. Point one, recognize the grandeur of God's majesty. Uh, this passage starts off with uh, Isaiah saying, in the year that King Uzziah, Uzziah died. And I want to stop there because I, I want us to discuss a little bit what this means. It's very easy to say, I don't know who King Uzziah is. and Who cares if he died? Moving on. But King Uzziah was one of the uh, better kings of Israel. He was a king who fortified Israel's prosperity. They became prosperous and wealthy in that time. They, they strengthened their military, and they were able to secure their positions in, in the area uh, of the Middle East during that time. And so King Uzziah was good for Israel. Things were, money was flowing, you know, there, people were eating good, uh, didn't have to worry about people coming and raiding and taking over. And if you know anything about Israel, Israel had two uh, devastating times where they were captured and conquered. Uh, this, when King Uzziah died, was 740. Only 20 years later, King, uh, Israel will be taken uh, and captured by the Assyrians, northern kingdom. And then later on in 586, uh, the southern kingdom will be taken by, by Babylon. But 20 years before this, King Uzziah, a good king, died. And you can imagine people are starting to wonder, so what's next? What's going to happen next, right? What, what's going to happen now that a good king has passed away? What's in our future? And I imagine, you know, because of America's love for politics, uh, many of us have felt that way when there's a change in guard over the, the president. I'm not going to ask you which one's your favorite. I guarantee you one thing, though. I'm not going to get the same answer in this room from everybody. And I imagine some people have said, oh, no, such and such is no longer in office or such and such didn't win. The world's going to hell with gasoline draws on. It's, it's going to be all bad. That's how people feel. And I imagine that's how people felt when King Uzziah died. Oh, no, a good king has passed away. What are we going to do next? And in that moment, God revealed himself to Isaiah. And listen, when God reveals himself, you better pay attention because there's about to be some good stuff going on. And what does he reveal? What does he see? Isaiah says, I saw Adonai, the Lord, the sovereign master, the ruler, seated on his throne. When in the day, in the year when a good king dies, Isaiah sees the good king seated on his throne to affirm and confirm and reassure that it doesn't matter what's going on around here. Doesn't matter about all the stuff you see. I'm still sitting where I'm supposed to be sitting. And I'm not sitting on some lowly throne made out of sticks and twigs. I'm sitting on the throne that's elevated, that's in a position of loftiness, of a position of exaltation, a position of of, um, honor and excellence. When you see me, you see the good king. I don't care who is is in a position of authority on the earth. I am still reigning upon high. And not only that, this is the part where I'm like, I I wish I could, somebody need to make like a short film or a movie or something of just this entire thing because I want to visualize it. It says, the train of his robe filled the temple. 
right? No, we don't even wear, like, we don't even understand the concept of a robe anymore. Most of the time our robes now are, you go to the hotel, one of these hotels, and they have like a little white robe next to the shower, you put that on. This is not one of those robes. This is a kingly robe. This is a robe, like, I, I recently was looking at pictures from um, a gala recently, and I was amazed at, at the women, like, they, their dresses, literally somebody's dress that they were saying, it went like, back to that piano. And I was like, man, that's a lot going on. And I don't even know how comfortable it is. Like, how do you sit down? What's, what's going on? The robe of the, the sovereign Lord of Adonai filled the entire place, signifying his greatness. His good. This is a robe that makes you sit back and look and say, wow, that's impressive. Our God who reigns, it's not some king who just is there. He is a king who is impressive, who's, who, who's, who's robe, who, who is deserving of all honor and glory. Not only that, he sees, he sees him sitting on the throne, high and lifted up. He sees the train of his robe filling the temple, which already denotes his glory. But then, what is it? He, see, he sees angels flying around him, and they're covering his, their eyes with their wings. Two of their wings, they're covering it. Why are they doing that? Because the, the glory of God, the majesty of God is so great that even the angels cannot behold. Every, every morning I, drop my, I drive west to drop my kids off at school and I drive east uh, to go back home. And, you know, sun rises in the east, sets in the west. And so every single morning I'm like doing this, you know, trying to flip my little visor down. Like the sun is so bright I, I cannot bear to look at it. The glory of God. If you can't look at the sun... The glory of God far surpasses the brightness of the sun. The majesty of God is far grander than, than the sun that exists in the sky, which is a really marvelous star, okay? The sun is marvelous. You can't even look at the sun long enough or it will destroy your eyes. Literally, it will destroy your eyes. The majesty of God literally will destroy your entire being if you, be, if you behold him. As he, as he fully is. And so he sees them, and they're singing songs. The angels are singing songs. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And here's the part that always gets me, verse 4. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. It always makes me think back to, to Exodus when the people are coming out of Egypt and they go before the mountain and the Lord is up there and he speaks and they hear rumblings and, and they, they tell Moses, uh, no, we're not going to go up there. Moses, you go up there for us. Because they were, because to hear, who here, raise your hand, if you've heard somebody speak in their entire voice, voice, their voice literally shook the foundations upon which you stand. The answer is don't raise your hand, nobody. So can you imagine standing before someone and when they speak, this building begins to shake. Stuff begins to rattle. People always talk about the fear of the Lord. And it's like, well, the fear of the Lord is like, you know, reverence. And it's like this awe. Yeah, it's awe because you're, you're scared. You're standing before, before God himself who has the authority and ability to, 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 do, to ruin you. And the house was filled with smoke. The very first thing God shows him before, before God does anything or says anything to Isaiah, he shows him who he is. 
He reveals to him the, the grandeur of his majesty. The very first thing we must do, if, if we are to be used by God, if we want to be used by God, we must see God for who he really is. We can't just see him as, oh, yeah, that's, you know, it's God. It's God. God. Right? There was a point where people were like, Jesus is my homeboy, right? Yeah, homeboy Jesus, homeboy God. We cool like that. Dab it up. Boom. Done. No. God is far greater than that. And until you see him for who he is, you can't be used by him for the purpose he desires to use you for. And then what happens, look at what happens next. After he sees God for who he really is, the next thing is he, he begins to say, well, I see you, God, for who you are. Now that makes me think about who I am juxtaposed to you. See, when, when you see God for who he is, when you recognize the grandeur, the grandiose nature of, the God, of God's majesty, then you begin to recognize the greatness of your own unworthiness. You realize you're like, oh, man, God is pretty great, and I'm not. And the very first thing that the Isaiah says when he sees God, he says, woe is me, for I am lost. Translation, oh, man, I'm in deep trouble. I'm in deep trouble. I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. This can't be happening, please. No, 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 no. Why? For I am a man of unclean lips. See, when you stand before God and you see who he is, you realize that you are unclean and you are unworthy to even be before this great God. Not only am I unclean, but I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a bunch of, amongst a whole bunch of people who are unclean. Like, we're all unclean. Lord, help me. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When we recognize the grandeur of God's majesty, it forces us to recognize the greatness of our own unworthiness. We realize that, man, God, you are great and I am not you are good and I am not. You're worthy of praise and I am worthy of nothing. And that is the best place to be if you want to be used by God. See, if we spent a little bit more time looking at God for who he is and looking at us for who we are, pride would probably be not an issue among us. Selflessness would not be an issue. You would just be like, listen, I'm just happy to serve wherever I can because God has called me to be one of his, one of his own. He's called me to be a part of his church, and so I don't have to be uh, uh, the pastor. I don't have to be the lead singer. I don't have to be the person that everybody sees. I'm just happy to be counted among the people and to serve in the way that God has gifted me and called me to serve. Because we recognize there's nothing that we are due from God. So once you recognize the grandeur of God's majesty, and then you recognize the greatness of your own unworthiness, of our own unworthiness, What's next? Well, the next thing is to receive the goodness of God's purification. This right here, this right here, is what I think makes the Christian faith the greatest faith of all world religions. See, a lot of times people try to say, oh, you know, everybody's on their own path and journey, and, you know, we all come from Abrahamic, you know, like Jews and Muslims and Christians. It's all the same. No, it's not. It's not. Anybody start talking to me about like some other Yeah, yeah, time out, time out. What do you do with Jesus? Tell me what you do with Jesus. Let's not talk about all that. Talk to me about Jesus and who he is, and not just who he is, but what is the nature of the work that he has done? Because the thing about our God is he doesn't look at our unworthiness and say, 
yeah, you're unworthy. Okay, let's, let's, you, you've been bad. Time for some judgment. Time for, time for some consequences. No, what does he do? At, in verse 6, after, after Isaiah is saying, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm in trouble. One of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And what did he do? He put that tongue to his lips. He put that, that coal to his lips. And he tells them, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sins atoned for. See, it is at the moment when you realize that I am not deserving and I am unworthy of this greatness of God's grandeur that God says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I got a plan for it. He doesn't leave you there in some unworthiness. And honestly, that's where a lot of us, we can never get beyond that. We feel like, yeah, most people identify one and two, points one and two good. Yep, God is great. I'm not. Most Christians, you won't argue with that. Some Christians are like, no, I'm pretty, you know, God is great and I'm pretty good too. But the majority of people will give you, God is great and I'm not. But what happens is some of us get stuck with, even though I'm not great, God still wants to use me. Even though I'm not great, even though I'm unworthy, God deems me worthy. Not because of who I am or anything I've done, but because who Christ is and what he's done in Christ for me. It is, it is the goodness of our God to do that which we cannot do for ourselves ourselves that makes Christianity the best world religion of all. And it's also the only true religion that has to do with God. But, you know, as we explained it, this is the goodness of Christianity. All the other ones have something to do with what you have done. What are you doing to deserve goodness from the Lord? Christianity says, no, no, you don't do something to get something from God. You do something because you've already received something from God. You do what you are. You are not based on what you do. And that is what makes us so special. And that is what, what makes us stand in the position that we're able to be used by God. That we realize that we have received the goodness of God's purification. Like if you, you cannot do for God, what he wants you to do if you don't recognize that he is trying to do something in and through you. If you're having your own pity party about woe is me, like if Isaiah sits and woe is me all day, he's going to be sitting there all his life realizing, man, God is great and I'm not. God is great and I'm not. God is great and I'm not. And that's not where God wants you to stay. God, can't, God doesn't want to use somebody who just sits there because you will not make yourself available to be used. So you've got you to recognize the grandeur of God's majesty. You've got to recognize the greatness of your own unworthiness. And once you get to that point, God says, I've got something beautiful for you. I've got guilt taken away. Some of us are sitting here today with guilt. Guilt over things that we've done in college. Perhaps even guilt over the things you did yesterday. Maybe even this morning before church. You know, this is 11 o'clock crowd, so you had enough time to, you know, get, get it into stuff. Maybe the 9.30 is like, oh, you know, everybody's getting ready. 11 o'clock, you got time to get into some stuff. And you're sitting here with guilt. The guy says, now, don't get me wrong. That action was wrong. And it was sinful for which you should repent, turn away from, and continue to pursue the Lord. But don't worry about it. Because... Because when you bring it before me, John tells us God is faithful and just to cleanse us of some unrighteousness. Nah, a little bit of unrighteousness. Nah, all, 
all unrighteousness, when you go before the Lord, he cleanses you. He is faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So there is no need for us to sit in unworthiness when God says, I've qualified you. Your unworthiness does not disqualify you because your unworthiness has put you in a position where you need me to qualify you. And I am ready, willing, and able to do so. You've got to receive God's goodness and the goodness of God's purification. Final point, and this actually isn't the final point. Right? I always talk, joke about how, like, you know, in black church, in closing, but, you know, I'm closing for like 30 minutes, okay? So <laughs> just try and prepare yourself. So final point, A, <laughs> you've got to respond with gladness to God's call. God revealed himself to Isaiah, and Isaiah was like, oh, man, I'm in trouble. And God said, don't worry about it. I will take away your guilt and atone for your sins. I will do those things for you. But then he says, okay, now that that's done, let's get down to business. In verse 8, he says, uh, Isaiah says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? The point of God's majesty, of him revealing his majesty, the point of you seeing your own unworthiness, the point of him qualifying you in spite of your unworthiness is not for you to sit back and say, oh, God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. No. God's, God did not save you just so that you can go to heaven. Because if that were so, he would have saved you and killed you. But he leaves us here for a reason. What is that reason, you may ask? Thank you for asking. I can see it all over your face. He is calling us to join us, join him in his redemptive plan. Who shall I send? And who will go for us? That's a call. Who's going who's gonna to be sent out by me? Who's going to be my apostle, right? Apostle is just one who is sent out. Who will be my apostle? And who will go spread the message that we want? Go ahead. And I love this response in verse 8. Look at it. The last part. Then I said, here I am. That doesn't say, you know, here I am. That doesn't say, uh, I mean, I hear you asking this question, God. I'm looking around to see, is there anybody else going to raise their hand? Oh, nobody's raising their hand. I guess maybe me. No, exclamation mark. Here I am. Send me. Which is the only right response when you have beheld the glory of God. When you have recognized like, ah, I'm unworthy, and you have still, even in spite of your unworthiness, received the goodness of God and his purification. The only response is, here I am. And here's where I want you to catch on this. Did God say, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And here's my plan. I'm going to send you for this amount of time. I'm going to put a little money in your pocket. It's going to be nice and comfortable. I'm going to give you a two weeks vacation. No. He didn't give them any plans. He was like, only thing you need to know, I'm sending you. That's it. And with that, the only response, the only right response is for somebody to say, Sounds good to me. Sign me up. Because if I know that God is the one who's sending me, I know there's no other place that I'd rather be. Did you, like, those lyrics to the, to the last song, like, those are tough lyrics. I literally, like, I was reading them. I was like, ooh, that hits, that hits a little. I don't know if it, it said, um, 
if it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice because I know that you're there with me. I mean, yes, I get that. Yes, I, I, get, I get that. But that's tough. If it puts me on the cross, some of our rejoicing probably. I, I forget all the words. But like those are tough. You can't do that on, on your own. You can't do that if you don't understand and see God for who he really is. You do that because you understand that the only right response, even if it leads to a cross, is to go where God is sending. The only thing, the only thing I can do is follow you, God. So that was closing point A, remember. If you want to be used by God, you must recognize the grandeur of God's majesty. You must recognize the greatness of your own and our very own unworthiness. You must receive the goodness of God's purification, and you must respond with the gladness to God's call. Then you'll be used by God. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that once you do that, like, oh, it's going to be pie in the sky, right? One of the things that, that God called Isaiah to do, which is the craziest thing, and it's because I don't exist in, in that, you know, uh, culture. But he said, all right, Isaiah, I want you to walk around with your undergarments on around town to display what will happen to, to Israel when they continue to disobey me, right? And, and, and what, what that meant was normally when you were captured, the captured people would be stripped and made to walk around with just their undergarments to, to display uh, embarrassment and shame. Can you imagine God saying, all right, whatever your name is, what I want you to do is I want you to go downtown. As a matter of fact, no, no, go to your job. You go to work every day, right? Go to your job, and I want you to walk around with, with you know, undergarments. So first of all, you're going to get arrested. So if, <laughs> this doesn't apply at all. But the point being, he called Isaiah to to something that was tough. And honestly, it's probably why he didn't lead with, like, okay, Isaiah, here's the, here's the plan. You ready to sign up? Because most people are like, oh, wait a minute, let me think about that. So I want to give us a few points about how uh, we can prepare ourselves to be used by God. Closing point B. Um, first, behold the majesty of God. A lot of times we teach our kids to say, you know, the, what's the grace? Uh, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. By his hand, we are fed. Thank you, God, for daily bread. Thank you, Lord, for daily bread. And we teach our kids these things. I mean, we teach them a song. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world. Jesus loves the little children. All the, and I think sometimes we miss how theologically, like, strong those songs and things are. When we say God is great, God is good, are we just saying, yeah, hurry up. I'm trying to eat this chicken, right? Let me get through this. Are we really sitting and beholding the greatness and goodness of our God? The next time you say your grace, which you probably are not saying God is great or God is good this anymore, but maybe you are if you have children, think about how good God is. Think about the glory that belongs to God. Read Revelation, right? I know people would be scared of Revelation. Okay, fine. Read Revelation 21. About, the, about what God will do when the new heavens and the new earth come. About there not being a need for, for a son because God himself will be our light. Read about all the glory of God so that you can fully see him for who he is. 
believe, point two, believe, sub point closing, point two, B, A, <laughs> believe that your unworthiness does not disqualify you. I, I'm fully aware that some of you all uh, and some of us, because this includes me as well, are not being used by God, not because God is not illustrating to us what he wants us to do, but we have seen what God wants to do and we said, That's, I can't do that. You would never use me, God. You know who I am. If I get up there and do something, you know what people are going to think about me and all my ugliness and sinfulness. God says, I don't care because I know what I think about you. And I know what I have done for you. I literally sent my son to die a death on the cross that was not his to bear for you. So I don't care what they have to say. I have deemed you worthy. I have deemed you qualified. I have done something that you can't do for yourself so that you can go do the thing that I'm asking you to do. I am preparing you. I have literally placed myself into who you are through the indwelling spirit. So believe that your unworthiness, though you are unworthy, does not disqualify you because God qualifies the unqualified. And finally, beseech God to use you. I love that word beseech, right? We don't use that much. Growing up, it was, we did the Apostles' Creed and all that stuff, and we, we talked about beseech. And it's, it's to fervently and eagerly ask with anticipation that somebody would do something for you. Each and every morning, we have an opportunity to be used by God. Each and every morning, we have an opportunity, like the prophet, to prophesy the goodness and testify to the will of God. We may not be singers, on a platform, right? Singing might not be your giftedness, right? And, and please know when singing is or is not your giftedness because the worst thing is to think that singing is your giftedness and then people are like, whew, praise the Lord for those lyrics because those lyrics are spot on. I love that. You might not have a platform in which my grandmother would stand up and wave her hands and say, let them use you. But you have a platform. Everybody has a platform in which God has placed them to display his glory and his greatness. You might not have a stage, but God has placed you as an actor in his redemptive plan to be used for his glory. God chooses you. I love the, uh, in closing, this is for real closing. In closing, I love what 1 Corinthians says. It says God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. He chose what is weak to shame the strong. You might sit there and think you're weak. You might sit there and think that, that it's foolish for you. Uh, but Nicole Norderman, I grew, you know, this is one thing, I, I will be a fool for you, is a song that she said. The question is, will you let him use you, church? Will you miss the opportunity that God, this great privilege that we have to join in into this redemptive plan that God has been working out since the beginning of time and will guaranteedly, if that's a word, bring to completion. Will you join in and let him use you for his glory so that he might be magnified and glorified? And I pray that the answer is yes. And if it's not yes, keep praying on it. Let him do that work in you because he wants to. Let's pray. Father, you are good, you are great, you are worthy to be praised. And there is nobody, absolutely nobody, who is like you. 
We have beheld the glory of the Father in the Son. We've seen the goodness of your work through the cross. And we have received the promise through the resurrection and the indwelling Holy Spirit. Indeed, there is no God like our God. Help us to give ourselves away so that you might use us. Help us to say, I'm in. Even if I don't know where I'm in, what I'm getting myself into, I'm in. Because I know if you have designed it, God, there is no better design. I can't come up with anything better. Help us, Lord, because we know we can't do this in and of ourselves. It truly is the work of the Spirit working in us. We love you. We praise you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service times, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.